Welcome to the AvGeeks Assemble podcast. everyone and welcome to episode two of season three of the Avgigs Assemble podcast. I'm your host Rob and joining me this evening is Ant. Ant, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Enjoying the weather? Oh, yes. Just had a barbecue. Happy days. Nice. <laughs> Always the way. You've got to, got to take advantage of the sunshine. I mean. Well, we're British. The sun's out. It's over 25 degrees. So if you're not cooking your dinner on a barbecue, what are you doing with your life? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So the podcast this week is going to take a slightly different format because earlier this week Ant recorded a uh, discussion with some other other people who we'll introduce later. But I thought we'd start by talking about Cosford Air Show because uh, both Ant and I were there last weekend, as I'm sure a uh, quite a few of you were. But Ant, what did you think of the show? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I've been I've been through a whole gamut of emotions about Cosford in the past uh, past few days since the show. I was. Um, let's say a little underwhelmed before I arrived at the show with the with the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, uh, three international uh, display teams is great. Um, it's not something you see every year at Cosford, so fair play to them for that. Uh, not enough fast jets for me. Um, yeah, especially after last year's strong showing with the uh, the Belgian F sixteen and the the French Rafale on top of the RAF fair that was on show. Um, and then the show itself was just a calamity of, well, not errors, but cancellations, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, it seemed to be uh, start. It seemed to start badly, and then just kind of uh, sort of collapse all the way through the show. I mean, I, I guess you can't um, necessarily blame the organisers. I mean, it, it was my it was my first trip to Cosford, and I kind of like you. I went into it sort of a feeling a little bit underwhelmed as I was kind of, I brought my tickets based on sort of last year's show. So I think, well, you know, if we have that again, it's going to be great. Um, you know, obviously there's lots of stuff going on in the world, so you can't always guarantee teams are going to attend. And, you know, the Sally B thing is, it's one of those things that just randomly happens. And the Catalina, unfortunately has got no propellers at the moment. So that was, uh, always going to be a problem, but it felt that the, uh, the show went into it like, and then any cancellation throughout the day just kind of added to that, and it was just leaving gaps. And yeah. even though, I mean, I mean, fair play to the BBMF being able to get the Lancaster in the air, despite the fact it had gone tech early in the day. And again, with the Stearman, um, the Stearman jumped in last minute to support, and then the battery was flat. Um, but then they managed to get it going again. So it just it felt like, um, I mean, I think you know one of the things is at one point they forgot to turn the microphone off, and the guy goes, "Does anyone know what's going on?" <laughs> and it, it kind of it felt a bit like that it felt a little bit chaotic and yeah i mean i don't know how you felt i mean i felt like the i mean i was expecting more from the static as well the static felt a bit kind of just sort of disjointed a little bit and just kind of all crushed together everybody on top of each other and then that was kind of it yeah i think for me um static this year in comparison to previous years is they they sort of gave up uh showground space to give it to concession stands mm. 
that's 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 just the way it appeared to me concession and food stands and and um yeah there's normally a lot more on offer there's normally more hangers open as well at the back of the airfield mm. uh than there was um there was two off limits and they've normally got the uh uh oh, the pens around the corner where they keep the jags i can't remember what they call them um someone will comment in the in the comments somewhere wherever we post this and tell me but yeah there's there's normally there's normally a lot more room for for 55,000 people to spread out into and uh, I did feel it was a bit cramped this year yeah. um that that was something I found. I mean, I because I when I got there, I thought, well, I'll park the car up and then I'll sort of have a wander around the static and then I'll go down to the uh, got the flight line. And I went down to look at the flight line. And it seemed like there was a small stack of flight line, then burger vans, and then that was all fenced off. And then it was yeah. cars. It, yeah. it just felt like it felt like the most cramped air show that mm. I've ever been to. I mean, it, it very much felt like it was an air show that didn't need fifty five thousand people there. It, just, well, it felt like a, it felt like a really slight odd use of space. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I've been going to Cosford since the early nineties, so thirty years now, and they've always um, not encouraged, but they've always sort of allowed and sort of uh, left enough space for people to sort of set up camp by their car, mm. uh, and that's something that because I go with the family, like. Uh, I had uh, one of my daughters with me. I had uh, my mum, my dad, my sister, her fella, their kids. Um, so there was there was there was a large group of us. It's not and considering where we were parked, almost underneath the control tower. Uh, considering the early time that I got there, which I wasn't happy about either. Uh, but that's another story. Um, it was not a case of all of those people can pick up everything we've brought with us to set up camp and, and, and traipse it all to the front, sort of thing. Yeah um so we had to sit where we were i mean i sort of moved away from the family a couple of times to take some shots of some of the displays i was really sort of wanting to get photos of um but i shouldn't have to do that if i mm. if i arrive at gate opening i don't think it's a, a stretch for me to expect to be somewhere near the front um yeah. yet i arrived at literally 10 minutes past the gate opening and i was placed as far back as you could possibly get there was literally one car further back than me and then there was the concession stands mm. literally that's how far back i was and i was right in front of the control tower and and literally any shots that i took from that location i've got like ten thousand cars in front of me with heat haze just rising off every single one of them yeah uh <laughs> so of literally any shots that i took from that location i've pretty much binned it was just it just wasn't great but but yeah um you comment about 55,000 people on one day. I, I've been an advocate for the longest time that Cosford should be held over two days. It mm. should be a Saturday and Sunday show. There is absolutely no reason why they can't do that. That All of the aircraft arrive uh, at their respective bases if they're not going to be taken off from the short runway at Cosford on the Friday. Um, they all do. They all pretty much do their... Uh, display certification or validation routine to, to be able to display at the air show on the Friday. Um, all the concession stands pretty pretty much set up Friday or early Saturday. Um, it, to me, it would be it would be much much better if that show decided that next year they go right. We're going to do Saturday Sunday mm. and we're going to limit tickets on each day to forty thousand, yeah. and that would just create a hell of a lot more room on that showground for things like statics. Some of the some of the more exotic stuff to be pulled out of the uh, 
at the museum because the museum's collection is amazing mm. and, and we, we literally hardly saw any of what they had there uh, this year and there's been other years where they've dragged out so much and it's just been a joy to see outside in the sunshine mm. or rain depending on what year it was um, and I, I just think that they're missing a trick I mean like at the end of the day we know what, <laughs> know what the RAF's like at the minute it's all about bean counting yeah. like if they could if they could have 80,000 people at that show across two days uh, all the concession stands paying two days worth of rent for the for the little space that they've got and X, Y, and Z. I, I think that it would be it would it would help everyone. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why it's not done. I really don't. Yeah. But I mean, on the plus side, the displays we did get, I, I thought there was some really first class flying in it. Um I enjoyed both the parachute teams, which is not something I normally enjoy, but I think in the the, the size of the venue, I think they work well. Um, I thought the Jordanian Falcons looked really good in a a, a a venue of that size. I mean, I know we've talked before that like, you know, sometimes they get lost at Riyadh, but I thought they were really, really good. Um, Patrice Swiss, as usual, were very, very good, very, very tight. Um, it was good to see that the Reds have improved over from last year. It feels like they fill the sky more with more jets, and yeah. they, they were very uh, clear to point out that next year they intend to go back to nine. Um, yeah. And I'm very impressed by the Typhoon display. I think that's quite um, quite an energetic yeah. display, which is nice. Yeah, I, I'd heard some mixed things about the uh, the Typhoon display, and unfortunately I wasn't able to get up to any of the practice routines that were held at Coningsby or the PDA day. Um, and so I was just going off third-hand in- information. Um, and some people were like, no, it's, it's not as good as last year, or it's, it's this, it's that. But I saw it at Midlands Airfest, uh, last week, uh, well, the week before Cosford, um, for the first time, and I wasn't 100% sold on it. However, the dis- the crowd line at Midlands Air Festival is probably a third of the length of the crowd line at Cosford, mm-hmm. um, and I felt that the display was infinitely better at Cosford than it was at Midlands Air Fest, um, just because he had all that all that extra space to manoeuvre in. Yeah, and the the fast passes he could he could build up some speed to get that fast pass in. He could he could really sort of like open the taps a bit more and not worry about sort of like over Gene as he went round bends and stuff. Or do you know what I mean? Mm. So I, I I just think um, on a larger crowd line, his display routine was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, I look I'm really looking forward to seeing it again at React, To be honest, yeah, um, I agree. It was uh, it was really good, but yeah, I, to- I echo what you say uh, about the others. Uh, Reds much much better than last year. No large gaps in the in their display program. The eight jets, although it's only one more than last year, is so much better than than the seven. It makes last a world year. of difference, doesn't it? Just just being able to fill the the formations out. It's not, it's it's just you wouldn't think like if you just wrote it down on paper the the differences between. The, the 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 actual formation shapes and the actual um transitions and whatnot it would make that much difference but it really does there was there was really sort of crazily long gaps last year in the mm. in the display and it just took far too long to get jets back in front of the uh in, back in front of the crowd yeah as it were um but this year much much better um display was much tighter um just one or two little minor issues but you've got three new pilots on the team, so yeah. they're to be expected in the first couple of weeks weeks of the season. I mean, I feel like last year part of the problem was they everything happened so late in terms of the um, 
sort of training period that they it got to a point where it almost like they were doing nine ship display with seven planes. Whereas this year it feels like they've gone into it knowing they're going to have eight planes. So they've worked up an eight plane display and it just feels like it a lot more cohesive. Mm. You feel like they've made it so that you don't necessarily miss the ninth plane on the display. So if they were yeah. always an eight, eight plane display, it would look like a good display. Is, is how I'm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. there's, there's plenty of eight, eight plane displays around the world. I mean, black Eagles are eight. Um, so I mean, and they do an, an awesome job with eight. So it's um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I think I think they I think you're right. I think they've built the routine knowing full well knowing that it's going to be eight this year, and I think it works a hell of a lot better. Uh, Swiss, yeah, absolutely. They were my favourite of the show. Um, on on form. Um, what else? What else was there? Enjoyed the Chinook. I enjoyed the Lynx. Uh, the Lynx display was quite uh, spirited. Yes, uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember Ben Donnell saying that unfortunately, outside of military uh, ownership, the Lynx is not able to do aerobatics. <laughs> it came damn close <laughs> a few times. Close, he? He, he was he was almost in excess of ninety degrees, like um, sort of uh, ta- almost like almost going vertical, like sort of tail over, sort of yeah. doing, doing a flip sort of thing at, at times during that display and. It really was. It wasn't the easiest thing to photograph. I'll tell you that much. But no. it was. Uh, it was very entertaining to watch. I definitely enjoy seeing that again. Um, yeah, I mean, a word for the parachute teams. I'm not normally one for taking photos of parachute teams, but I thought it was nice that they had two this year and that mm. they both opened the show. I thought the French one was quite good because you don't always see that from the RAF one. Not these days, anyway, where they sort of connect all the parachutes up and come in as a large connected formation of. Yeah parachutes i thought that was quite impressive um but yeah and then obviously the raf falcons came out of the hercules which was a nice touch mm. um considering um the, the 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 impending retirement of the hercs uh it was just a shame that the much touted display of the herc following that uh turned out to be a single fly past which yeah. It just dumbfounded me, really, a little bit. I was expecting at least a, a mini tactical demo, or at least a couple of passes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, part of me is wondering whether because it was circling for quite a while, um, so whether it had been held for a little bit longer than they initially anticipated, so it was low on fuel and had to just limit itself to one. I mean, it did. I mean, the way it was sort of worded in the program, that is almost like it was going to be more of a display rather than just a single fly pass, or even just a, a couple of fly pass that we got from the A400. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to have seen a couple more, but... You know. well, I mean, the, the, the airframe is, is more than capable of landing on Cosford Strip. It's designed to land on sh- short runways. Mm. It's designed to land on grass and uh, like other surfaces like sand and stuff. So th- th- there's no reason why it couldn't have done a short tactical demo where it just lands, drops off a Jeep or something, uh, or drops off some troops or something, and then uh, like sort of backs up the runway and then takes off again, sort of thing. All things that it's capable of doing, all mm. things I have actually seen from a Herc at Cosford in the past. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a shame. It's like it was the last ever time it was going to be at an air show. I just wish that they'd done a little bit more with it. Um, it's clearly not the fault of the organisers. It's, it, it's clearly limitations been put on the airframe by. I would assume whoever now owns that airframe yeah, because they've clearly so. they've clearly already been sold. Um, 
So there's the, the the new the new owners are clearly waiting in the wings, and they've probably been asked if they could do that, and probably the answer came back was no. So it is what it is. But um, at least we had the UK. I mean, we're recording this day after the UK farewell tour for the Hercules. So yeah. at least we had that yesterday, and 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 most of uh, all four home nations managed to catch a glimpse of it. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone in the group got to go and see him from somewhere, didn't they? Obviously yeah, you guys were up in the in the loop. Um, catching those sickening photos. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I'm a little bit overwhelmed with the response to the photo I've posted today. It's gone a little bit mental, but um, yeah, I was just in the right place at the right time. I put myself in the right spot. I mean, there was lots of women in our in whether to go to Caddy, so I'm glad that I did. <laughs> yeah. But there was there was easily a hundred people on Caddies. Uh, there was probably as many on Cad West. Uh, I know that Volk around the corner was absolutely rammed as well. Um, just from when I drove past it at seven o'clock in the morning. So uh, there was hundreds and hundreds of people in the hills yesterday to witness that. And uh, yeah, it was a magnificent sight. So yeah, yeah, really, I mean, really special moment. I'm quite lucky that because I live local to uh, Cambridge Airport where they've done a lot of servicing on the Hercs for a, uh, a number of years. So I was able to shoot down there and just see them over. It's one of those things where I wasn't so fussed about what the pictures came out like. It was just like just being there was kind of yeah. it was that you know it's almost like a kind of like a funeral procession in a way kind of you'd rather just be there it really did feel like that and and i was really surprised at how much coverage it got in the mainstream media mm. um it really did sort of uh capture people's uh emotions and attention yesterday yeah uh, and i think people came out in their numbers to sort of um say their goodbyes to the airframe because i mean whether you're an av geek or not like the hercules has been around for a hell of a long time i mean like the, the like the tail sticker shows mm. 56 years of of raf service it's it's people have seen it in some way shape or form through their lifetimes um whether you're heavily into aviation or not um i mean i think what's interesting for me is the comparisons with the retirement of the herc and the tonka because obviously they're like five years apart yeah um, the response for the Tonka retirement was a lot of it was um, aviation enthusiasts, toggers, and that. And all the times I went to places, it was all toggers and and that. Whereas this one, looking at the people in the field, there were very few people you would class as aviation toggers. They were just people. And yeah. it, you know, I think it's just it does capture the, um, as you say, because it's been around for so long, it, it does capture the imagination. It's almost it's kind of a a symbol of the Air Force to an extent, isn't it? Yeah, I, the thing I likened it to, seeing how busy the loop was yesterday, was when the Vulcan uh, was uh, finally um, finished its uh, its return to the skies. Uh, was it twenty fifteen? I think it was. Um, and uh, if anyone's seen the video of it flying down Dunmail Rays in the Lake District, uh, with just lines and lines of people either side of the lines and lines of cars either side of the road, people strewn all over the hillside, taking photos and videos of it. It was. It was. It was as busy as that in the loop yesterday it was crazy yeah. it was absolutely crazy but it was a, a, quite a special moment to witness and mm -hmm. uh yeah i was i was glad to be there and glad to capture it yeah and speaking of the loop that is a perfect segue into the main topic of this podcast um obviously you sat down earlier this week and did a, an interview all on your own um so do you want to give us a bit of a an intro into that and tell us who you met up with yeah, um, I sat down, had uh, a great chat about low-level uh, aviation photography and uh, favourite low-level 
places with uh, with Tom Whitworth from from the Avgeeks group, uh, Tom Nicklin, who uh, is quite a well-known name within the Avgeek community these days because he seems to be everywhere all at once, <laughs> and uh, James Wilkes as well, who's uh, a bit of a veteran of the loop and uh, low-level photography. I'm sure if anyone's spent any time on Facebook or Instagram, they've seen his shots from time to time. But yeah. Um, Unfortunately for the listeners, we're all from Birmingham, so you're going to have to put it with my accent and their accents <laughs> through the entire thing. Uh, but yeah, we had a we had a good we sat down, we had a really good laugh, a good chat. Spoke about our favourite locations and shots and what we wanted to do and uh, why we love it so much. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good chat. Uh, we did have one or two connection issues, unfortunately, so apologies for that. Um, but that's just the way it is these days with. Uh, modern technology so yeah yeah unfortunately sometimes we with the best way in the world we try and do our best but you know sometimes things are just unavoidable um yeah. But yeah i mean i've been looking forward to this uh this podcast for a while and i'm sure all the listeners will have been um so without further ado let's jump into it with me from the av geeks assemble stable is tom how you doing i'm all right mate how are you not too bad mate not too bad i have a beverage and we're recording a podcast so i'm very happy uh we've also got another tom with us today Tom Nicklin, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Good, good, good. Are you uh, currently travelling somewhere like you normally are? No, I'm in one stable place for now. Are you sure? Because you, you did yeah. tend to stay in one place for too long, mate. <laughs> Especially this week. <laughs> Definitely this week. Christ. And we've also got with us uh, James Wilkes as well. How are you doing, James? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. Good, good, good. So that's everyone. Um, so yeah, so we're we're talking about uh, low level spotting. Um, we're all big fans of uh, low level spotting. I think it's uh, fair to say. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we only we only convened right. to do a to do a podcast on it. So um, also as well, just want to apologise that it's uh, probably a little bit difficult for some of our listeners today because it's turning to uh, a bit of a brummy takeover. So everyone on the podcast is from Birmingham in the UK. Uh, so if you hear a slight twang to everyone's accent, that's uh, that's part and parcel of being a Brummie. Some so, titles uh, are available. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you can type them up, mate. <laughs> so right, so let's get let's get into it. So we're talking low level. Um, anyone can jump in at any time, but uh, we're all here because we love it. Why do you love it? Why do we love it? Um, Why do we love it? I'll go first. I, I think it's just the anticipation of not knowing, I suppose, sometimes of what's what's going to come around the corner. It's a bit like fishing. You go, you hope for the best, and what happens, happens. Um, so, yeah, it's just the anticipation of, of going up a mountain. You, you know, you get up at the crack of dawn, sometimes 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., you know, and and you make that journey there, and you, you walk up that mountain and hillside, and you've got having a clue what's going to go on, and it's that... That, that anticipation of, am I going to see something, am I not? And then for that 10, 15 seconds that it all all happens, it's just it's just so worth it. Um, you know, it, it's made that that, that three-hour journey uh, and that really, really early start um, all worth it, basically, and, and that's why I love it. Totally agree, mate. It's the uh, it's also the spontaneous nature of it. Like Most mm. mornings that I get up, like you say, three, four o'clock in the morning, stupid out. Go watch the sunset over the Mac Loop at sunrise. Sorry, I was gonna say you've gone too early, yeah. you've gone for the sunset. <laughs> it's half course already, <laughs> and then yeah, I mean, most of the time, especially autumn, winter, we've been absolutely stood on that hill freezing to death, haven't we, James? Oh, absolutely. And you, you stand there and you think, 
why have I done this? <laughs> I could be in a nice warm building with the central heating on and uh, and you're, it's minus seven up there and it's absolutely freezing and you've seen nothing. And it's just like, oh. but again, we still do it. We keep going back and going back and going back and it will never deter us from going back. It just won't. It's, it's part of the fun in my opinion, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What about you, Tom? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, for me, it's the, you, you can get a picture of a jet in the sky anywhere, can't you? Like, you know, from, from your back garden, probably, if you look look enough, look hard enough. <laughs> um, but for me, it's the, you got like the beautiful surroundings of wherever it be, um, whatever low-fly area, and getting a picture of like a fighter jet or a helicopter or a transport or whatever it is against like um, a landscape, mountains or whatever, and you're, you're looking down on it. For me, it's just... It's so unique, and and it, it yeah, it's just, I, I, it's in a realm of its own, if you like. It's just yeah, very unique. Totally agree, mate. Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, for me personally, I, I find it an escape. It, mm. It's an escape from reality. It's 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 a day where I can just forget about doing the school run. I can forget about work. I can forget about bills. I can forget about whatever else is going on in my life at the time, and just go up somewhere like. In the middle of Wales, like uh, up in the Lake District, wherever Peak District, um, and just just zone out for a day and just hope for the best. I like you say yeah. that the, the fishing James's fishing analogy is the best way I describe it to people when mm. they ask. It, it, it is literally that you're you're out there hoping to catch something. A bad way to spend a day sat in the mountain. Um, mountain oh, it's not. Period. It's beautiful up there. Like, and, and it doesn't matter what time of the year or what weather it is. It yeah. really doesn't. There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad preparation. <laughs> I'm actually, answer. I'm speaking about weather. I mean, you said that there's no bad weather. Well, the, well, the, there isn't. There isn't bad weather. There's just the ability of certain pilots to fly through said weather. <laughs> there was no bad weather. <laughs> exactly. I tell you what, that day, that day in March, I had stood in minus six in that four and a half hours of snow, waiting for the uh, Belgians to turn up. That was probably the worst one I've had it. Well, I don't think I don't think that was uh, low level spotting. That was just completing us a lunacy, mate. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it is me. The hyperthermia and the uh, the one single F fifteen pass was worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, yeah, God. that was good. It was good. It was good to watch you through a screen go through that. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Aviation photography is about sort of um, it's it's that sort of personal aspect as well, isn't it? It's like sometimes like you 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 get messages from like um, flight crew or something like that, or do you know what I mean? It's oh great picture I was flying in the loop today, blah blah blah, and that that makes it worth it and stuff. And if you get like you can get a shot with like a pilot giving a giving a wave out the window or something, or do you know what I mean? Or like. Uh, a hurt going through the loop with the back ramp down and they're all sitting on the back waving it. Yeah, it's like, it's it adds that personal nature to it, doesn't it? Well, you're seeing the, the, the aircraft in, I suppose, their natural environment as well. So Exactly. We can all go to bases, and don't get me wrong, base visits are awesome as well. Um, but seeing a, you know, an F-35, 15, um, Herc absolutely on deck in essentially in a, in a training environment is just something to behold. You know, I, I would, even if you do not like aviation, I say... 
go up and have a, a day there because once you see it, you will be addicted. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. Well, you're almost experiencing what the pilots are actually doing, and it's it's amazing to watch. I mean, when I went up to a couple of weeks ago, I went up to Spade Adam uh, bombing range for the for the Dutch, and somebody said to me, "Oh yeah, they'll be flying low level." And I got there, and I was expecting Mac Loop, 400 foot climb up Bluebell or whatnot. <laughs> killing myself and no i was literally driving down the main road park up and you're probably 30 40 feet off the ground mm. and then the next thing you know you've got the cougars and then the apaches that come through as well and they're about 10 foot off the ground and it's amazing to see just in such a close environment how they can maneuver the aircraft and be able to within the split second be able to like make decisions yeah it's just bonkers really and i think as well like one of the things that fascinates me is you can stand, you can visit the same location several times, let's say Cad West in a Mac loop, and every pilot has a different take on how they fly the valley. So mm. you're watching the jet come towards you, and you obviously know the sort of turn they're going to do, but, you know, you get some come in higher, drop low, some, you know, go a bit higher in front of you, some like to overbank, do different bits, and it's the fact that it just shows it's not like computers doing the work. It's that pilot's hand input their decision making translates into whatever maneuvers they're doing in the hills and like we all know how narrow some of these valleys are and the precision that you know they they have making the turns and everything and, and executing them to perfection it's really interesting to watch i think yeah 100 percent agree yeah yeah i mean the, the skill the skill involved is unreal to be honest i mean it's it's some of the some some of the uh the maneuvers and turns like you say that you witnessed like down at low level and how quickly they can get around certain certain uh, valleys or bends or whatnot. It's just the mind boggles, to be honest. But it's uh, it really is a spectacle to behold. It really is. Um, just, obviously, following on, I know we've just mentioned a couple of locations there. Um, where where's everyone's favourite place to go spotting? Because there's obviously clearly a lot of uh, low fly areas within the UK, um, and obviously the UK is where we all reside. So. That's what it's going to be mostly based on. We'll go to a bucket list a bit later. Um, so where's where's your favourite spots? I think for all of us, it, like Midlands-based, convenience-wise, it's Maclute because it's it's relatively close compared to the lakes and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's two hours in a car. I mean, it's easily it's easily a day trip, isn't it? Whereas the lakes is three, three and a half, getting on for four hours sometimes, depending on traffic. So it's it's a little bit more prohibitive, but. Um, what about in terms of um, the type of flying that you get there? Because obviously, I, I personally think that the loop's very different from the lakes. I think the loop can be more, more dynamic um, yeah. because the loop is a, a smaller area. Um, the valleys are tighter there. They're more confined. So I think naturally you get more dynamic shots from the loop. Um I think with, with with LFA 17, there's a lot more valleys they can choose from. Um, it's a lot wider. So there's a you will get dynamic shots depending on location, but I think you'll, you'll, you'll certainly definitely get more dynamic shots in the macro loop. Yeah. yeah and, I think, and I think one of the other things is, like, from what I've learned, I mean, we all, we've all done the lakes, and you know what it's like. You, you pick a hill and everything goes up the other valley. <laughs> the loop is sort of, it's a flow. Yes, they don't always do a full loop, but you stand a better chance of seeing something if it's going to be in that area and the other thing that i've learned is with there's times in the lake districts where a jet's been coming past and i'm i'm at maximum zoom on my my lens 
Whereas I look at some of the shots from the Mac loop and I'm I'm at the starting point. I'm at the minimum zoom and I've got it, you know, fully in the frame. So I think for me, it's the Mac loop just because they're closer. And normally, you, if you look, you get a second chance at the shot as well. They come around again. I think that's, I know they do it in the lakes as well, but from my experience, Mac loop. Definitely. It's very hit and miss in the lakes. I mean, it, for me, the lakes, it's a lot more challenging because like you say, the valleys are a hell of a, hell of a lot longer, uh, wider, um, especially shooting like Thelmere around that area um, and Allswater. I quite like Allswater because it's quite dynamic around Silver Point. Mm. Uh, Berg Fell's quite nice, but you tend to get them quite flat through there because it's, cause it's such a wide valley. There's nothing to almost challenge the pilots like the Mac loop being so dynamic and close in. That's it, definitely. I mean, I, that's why I prefer the Mac loop because it's just that you can't navigate the Mac loop without like banking and turning quite forcefully. And, and, and that in turn brings more dynamic shots just through if there's a bit of moisture in the air, you're going to get like fluff and vapor and stuff and streamers coming off the wings. Whereas, um, although they will turn sharply in the lakes, it, it doesn't happen as often that they get like conditions like that. So, but yeah, I mean, I still love the lakes. I think it's a beautiful part of the world. I really do. Um, and I've got some of my favourite low-level shots up there. But it is it is a lot more of a challenge to get those shots. Because like, like you say, I've, I've been up to Thelmere. I was on, um, oh, what's that tall one at the side of Thelmere? Ravencrag. Uh, yes, that's it, Ravencrag. I was at the top of there with like 600 mil. Um and it just wasn't enough. <laughs> it just was not enough. I had like I had a day where a typhoon went through uh, a Juno, which might as well have been an ant with how small it was in the viewfinder. <laughs> um, an A four hundred luckily came through, which just about filled the frame. But that was about, and that was still at six hundred mil. So I was really struggling up there. And it just goes to show how much bigger that area is. I made a really <clears throat> schoolboy error the one day when I went up there because I went up for. York night last year when the Swift came through with the F-18s. And the Monday, most of the day, it was pretty clear, a little bit of cloud. <clears throat> and that's the other challenging thing about the low-level stuff is the weather can just change in the valley so quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. being so close to the sea and stuff, you've got so many different dynamics. And um, the Swiss came through. Well, we weren't expecting the Swiss, and there was literally zero visibility in the valley. My camera's packed away because it's chucking it down of rain. I'm absolutely soaked through. <laughs> Questioning why on earth am I doing this? Yep. Next thing I hear is a rumbling in the distance and I was too slow. Two F-18s come really, really low, um, flying through, just missed. Um, you could just barely pick them up by eye. Um, and then that's what prompted me to uh, quickly make a few phone calls to my boss, um, <laughs> swapping shifts to stop up there another day but that's <laughs> that's the other thing about it is you just want to keep going up there to try and get the shots and i think that's the great about the low level stuff yeah I, I i i i do think there's an element of like I, I get it from my wife particularly she's like oh you're going wales again yeah oh well just just to get the same shot you got before but it's never the same shot that i got before never the conditions are always different the colors are always different the weather conditions are always different. You like I've I've been up there. Oh, I couldn't even count how many times I've been up there, and I've never got the sh same shot twice. Never. Um, and I think there's I think also as well because of the challenging nature of um, 
the type of shots that you're getting, it's almost like you're sort of challenging yourself to to go back and do better next time. So you might get a really great shot that you're really proud of, but you think I can still do better. I can still do Mm -hmm. better. And that's part of, for me at least, the drive that keeps me going up there. Yeah. I think for me that you've just hit the nail on the head. My missus says, oh, you're going to my clip again. You were there last week. <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, but it, it's my happy place. And I, I will yeah. continue to go there for however long I can, basically. Um, like you said, you, you will never get the same shot. Yes, it's the same airframe, but it's going to be at a different height. It's going to be at a different angle through the valley. It's going to be at a different speed. It's going to have different lights on it. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. And you are naturally going to get a different shot on that aircraft. Yeah. So, yeah, every time you go, it's just going to be different. That's it, with different pilots, like Tom said as well, like different yeah. pilots with different different ways of flying that route. So you're always going to get a different um a different shot. So so we talked about where our favorite places are. Um any bucket list locations, doesn't have to be in the UK, can be around the world. Um, you want to go low level spotting. For me, probably not not so much now because of the incident that happened a few years ago, but Rainbow Canyon. Yeah. Um, I, I just always wanted to go there. Um but maybe sidewinder perhaps um somewhere like that somewhere where there's big valleys in and, and f18s and c17s and hornets and just every you know everything going through it just it would be absolutely amazing to see that yeah um, a, a trip to sidewinder would be amazing because some of the oh, stuff yeah. they get through there i mean they get raptors like f35 c's b's and a's through there like they get all sorts don't they they still got the uh marine harriers going through there as well from time to time so yeah yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to be like after the loop. I mean, a lot of Americans cover going to the loop. I get a lot of messages from across the pond when I put shots up. Oh, I want to go there. I want to do this. If I'm ever in the country, will you like sort of link up with me? Yeah, no problem. Mm. <laughs> anyone, <laughs> anyone who wants to go to the Mac Loop, I'm more than happy to join them. Um, but yeah, equi- no, equally, I- the other way around, like if I'm ever over there near Sidewinder, <laughs> you've got to take me. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yeah, that's it. I think I think that'd be the same for me. To be fair, like. I've seen videos on there, loads of videos, and it's it's the variety of aircraft, and they get like mm. silly things through, like C seventeen things like that. And you get, I mean, we all know the U.S. Air Force over in the states; they've got some cooler schemes and test schemes on like aircraft, and you know, and I think like the desert background. I mean, everyone's seen Top Gun, and you kind of imagine that sort of thing, like flying low through the desert, and it's. Yeah, it's the closest you get to sort of photographing them in what's almost like a a war sort of environment, probably yeah. combat environment. And I think that's what's so unique about um, doing it over in the States, like the Sidewinder. So that'd definitely be something I'd want to do. I think for me, um, probably mainland Greece. And the reason I say that is because um, I think it was in Iolkos, um yeah. that big exercise that was on an uh, well-known photographer up around the Mac Loop, David Phillips, and some of his shots and the videos were absolutely stunning of like tornadoes going through, mm. which you don't get to see in this country no more. I mean, yes, there was there was German tornadoes, which the the photos that people got of them were absolutely stunning last year. Yeah, yeah, in the lakes, yeah, definitely. But no, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say the the Greek um, Ineos looked really good this year, and yeah, it did. Again, it looked it looked quite challenging because the, the videos. Like they were quite, it seemed like they were quite far away from 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 the jets that were flying through there. But some of the shots still come out really well. So, yeah, that would be uh, definitely one that's on my list as well. 
but no, yeah, and anywhere, anywhere, anything's flying low, I'll I'll give it a go. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I mean, <laughs> me and you, Tom, went up peak just the other week on the off chance the Lancaster was going low, and we got an A four hundred. Went so. fishing. <laughs> went fishing. Come back fishing. with something we didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> and the and uh, June. Oh. And the Juno, yeah, which was a little bit bigger than it was at the time when I saw it in the lake. So from <laughs> from Ravencrag, so there, there's something, um, yeah. But um, the other thing as well, uh, like you've got to say about America, it's the only place you're going to see F one one sevens flying low. Oh, God, oh. <laughs> I mean, every, literally oh, yeah. once once a month or something, someone catches them going low level oh. over there, and literally <laughs> the internet just breaks oh. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'll tell you something. The things I'd do to see one of them. Oh, oh mate. I'd, I'd happily see it at Riyadh, let alone at low oh, level. Do you know what I mean? Stop it. Hey. <laughs> but we're Honestly. talking low level, so we'll stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's yeah. one I think there's one that we'd all love to do, but it's an air show. And you can probably Axel. Go- Yes. Axel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well see, I wasn't gonna mention Axel because like a lot of people just go, Well, it's an air show and it's well, it is, but but not many air shows you get in a in a mountainous environment like that no. with plenty of snow capped peaks. So mm. um we'll it is it, it is low level we'll spotting, isn't it? We'll go, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. I'll happily buy a ticket. Have to, yeah. That's it, definitely. Um one, the next thing I've got on the list is um something that I thought we could do is probably just if if you can all give one or two tips for tips for avoiding a blank because we all hate blanking um it's the worst feeling when you've spent all that time booking a day off getting your stuff together getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning driving for two or three hours uh, just to sit there freezing certain appendages off all day long (laughs) 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 to to then come away to come away with absolutely nothing um so i mean some days it's unavoidable but there are there are things you can do um, to, to to avoid or to, to help yourself avoid blanking. So has anyone got anything they they could think of off the top of their head? Get a job like mine where you get to. <laughs> 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 yeah, literally work one day every out of every fourteen and spend yeah. the other thirteen driving around the UK spotting. <laughs> Still get paid whilst I'm up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's one. I suppose Honestly. you can't argue with it, can you? <laughs> yeah, the, I think the, but... the one that I always used to do was even days when I'm booking off, I'd still go up on on the off chance of rainy days, and it's it's one of them because the weather changes so quickly in them yeah. environments. But the one app I use, and I'd say to everybody, well, there's two apps actually, Windy um, for checking the meteogram. So you can check your low-level cloud heights, cloud base. That's probably your best thing to do. And you can also check your dew point as well. So you can get, you know, sort of, if there's anything going to come through, um, you may get fluff on the top of the jets, which always adds to your photos. And then the other one's weather radar. Um, Because I say that one, it gives you a nice visual representation of where the clouds are at, whether you've gotten storm fronts running in, because especially if you go up on your own, you don't want to get caught out in some really hazardous weather conditions with no phone signal and nobody to help you. Definitely, mate. Definitely. That's uh, that's definitely sound advice. But yeah, it's definitely top of, top of the list is check the weather forecast. I mean, I always I always say to people, pick a day where the, where the weather's fair and do you know what I mean? The, the visibility's decent uh, and you've, do, you've done as much as you can then um, in terms of that. Um, Anything else anyone's got? I think uh, avoid bank holidays. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, avoid bankologies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes it sound like you've been up on a bank holiday. <laughs> in my uh, in my uh, early days, maybe I've done a few uh, errors. Yeah. But when I when I first started going to the loop, I made the mistake of going up on on the fourth of July. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which discounts probably the most uh, attractive part of the loop, the Americans yeah. coming through. But luckily, <laughs> Valley was on form that day, and I think I saw about six hawks and four Texans that day. So it went too yeah, bad. Definitely... It, might been, it might have been Tucanos then, actually. Yeah, probably back. probably Tucanos. Probably it was about four or five years, four or five years back here. So yeah, yeah. avoid like Christmas Day and Easter Sunday, and that. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna see anything. Yeah, weekends and bank holidays. No chance. I think one one of the other things, and this is quite handy. I mean, obviously, Facebook has got loads of um, groups set up, like uh, there's MacLoop Open Forum or what have you, you know. And there's groups for people who are like um, more new to the hobby, or what have you. And I think one of the things is like the groups can be quite handy because if you look and let's say it's Thursday, and every day of that week people are posting shots of I don't know, let's say F15s or Hercs flying through. And that's been every day up until that point, and you'll go it, and you've got a day off that week to go. You could put two and two together. You could, you could get four, or you could get five or three. You know, it, it might not <laughs> add up. But I, yeah, an educated guess. You look at it, you go, hmm, well, I have been using it. I'll go in case there still are. You know, there might not be, but it's well, it, it, let's think about it. At the end of the day, all the flying that we see through there is training. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if you've ever done training at work, which nine, probably 99.9% of us have. Well, Tom you... hasn't because he's never at work. <laughs> he was the 0.1%. <laughs> he was the 0.1% I was referring to that yeah. has never done training at work. But those of us who have been to work and do some training from time to time, you don't do a topic like uh, a, a Monday one week and a Thursday the next week and then Wednesday the week after, do you? You tend to do the topic that you're training on in a batch so you might do it three days in a row or something like that so it's the same for for flying and pilots like if they're in a phase of low level flying and they've like you say flew monday tuesday wednesday it's fair to assume there's a chance you're going to see the same sort of flying on thursday as well so that i I totally subscribe to that definitely Mm. i think another another good tip is probably I, when I first started going the loop and doing low level, because I started off in the mat loop and then recently sort of going out, having the time off to be able to go and do, go and photograph this sort of stuff. Um, in the first instance, I found that if you do get a blank, you're sort of, you, you get a little bit disheartened, but the the whole point is don't be too disheartened because there's going to be plenty more days. And, you set up in a mountain in gorgeous countryside. There's nowhere you, if you like your hiking, then fair enough, you can go up the mountain and enjoy them views. But it also brings you out to some of the most gorgeous places in the UK. And even if you go abroad, and yeah. you just sit up on the hill and you enjoy the views. Definitely. The way to think of people travel hours to go on holiday to where we go for the day. The yeah. people travel hours to go and spend a week in North Wales and we will get up and just spend the day there. And yeah. I think that, that shows how actually beautiful the area is, we, even without any aircraft. And, and we're lucky enough just to be able to have the opportunity just to go up there for, for the day and then just see see what happens, really. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Totally. But also, people totally you around as well. I mean, we've had some good laughs up on the hill, haven't we? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I've had plenty of conversations with people up there and just, just 
random people just turning up on the off chance. So oh, is this the MacLoot, mate? Yeah, yeah, you're in the right place. Yeah, it's always. And the question that always comes is, is anything due? Well, I don't know, mate. I ain't got a crystal ball, unfortunately. How long is a piece of trip? Yeah. I said, the best thing you could do is park your ass and sit down for the rest of the afternoon, enjoy the view, and see what happens. Um, And that's the the advice I give to everyone up there. It's just just chill out. Just enjoy the time you've got. Especially at this time of the year in the summer, you get the day trippers coming out, like the flip-flop brigade turn up, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll climb a hill with flip-flops on and freaking swimwear on and something like that. This is my group, mate, while throwing rubbish on the floor. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, it is, yeah. Oh, oh, I'll give it half hour. All right, mate, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. And that's that's <laughs> the other thing. Like, 35s and 15s and all sorts <laughs> exactly. But that's yeah, the other like, thing, like, the, how many people... <laughs> Of like loads of people have done this, and you see it on like the Facebook groups all the time. I've seen it before, and it people will put on, "Oh, I was up the Macaluke today, didn't see anything." And someone will be like, "What? Well, did you not see the F-35s or something?" Uh, no, it's not a stealth joke. Before anyone says anything, <laughs> um, and you go, "Well, how long did you stay for? Oh, two hours." Well, that's why. And um, we yeah. all know this. You get there, get there before. Well, we get there for like eight o'clock, don't we? Because we're yeah, yeah, we're, we're in the seals. Yeah. Yeah. And then stay up until like the last bit of light because you're maximizing your chances then. Like there's no point getting up, traveling all that way, and not giving yourself the best chance. <laughs> the best bit of advice is get up there early and stay up there till late. The only time you should be leaving early is if the weather forces you out. Yeah. That's that's the only time you should be leaving early. Like yeah. I, I try not to I used to back in the day try and go up for a morning or try and go up for an afternoon. But I, like I'd always miss something like in the morning or the afternoon that I wasn't there. Um, so nowadays I try and make sure I'm going for the full day. Uh, or, get, like, or in say, your or J- James's case, if your missus uh, is ringing for uh, come back for tea tonight, <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. Oh, it never happens. No, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just like you say, get up there. I mean, like we, we recently. I mean, any anyone who listens to the podcast regularly and sort of as a follower on the Facebook or the uh, the Instagram pages and whatnot, you'll see that uh, the Avgeeks group went up to uh, MacLoop for a week uh, start of May, so just about a month ago now, and we had a, we had a torrid time the first few days. It was, although the weather, weather wasn't terrible, um, we, we waited 11 and a half hours on the first day um, and eventually got rewarded with some pumas coming through at the last, very last of the light, which was great. Um, the next day was a blank for everyone. I think we were all in different places around the loop, but we all blanked that day. Um, the Thursday, some of us got a Herc um, in the one valley and then the rest of them got a, a Texan in another valley. And it only all comes together on the Friday morning when literally everything in Lake and Eve emptied into Wales for the, for the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that just proves that you've got to be persistent and you've got to have patience and you've got to sort of like, yeah, if you have a blank, it's going to be crap. But like, don't don't sort of like get too disheartened by it and say, "Oh, I'm never going there again." Because when it does come together, it's bloody worth it. Persistence yeah, is key. It really is. It really is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it took it took me like bloody. I started going up the back loop when I was uh, oh god, how old? I was about like what six, eight years old, something like that. Something stupid. I'd, I'd wander up with my dad for a few hours. 
I thought you were still a babby now. Well, I, I am actually. Uh, <laughs> it was only a couple of years well, ago. I know <laughs> oh, it was. It was only a couple of years ago. You uh, turned nine last month. I know. I did. And then, and then I've lost my trail of thought now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So we're talking yeah. about like pers- being persistent and that. So I've been going up since, uh, like, um, I think I got my maths wrong there. But I, I think my first visit was about 20, 2012, something like that. 2011, maybe. And um, it's it's take it took me up until May last year to get F15s through the Mac loop. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was never going to happen. I, you'll remember, Ant. I was always putting in the chat. Oh, I just want I just want to vote of an F15 at low level. And then the Afgeeks trip last year. That's when it all sort of happened. There, so you got to be persistent. Like, just keep going. Don't just say oh, I'm going to give up. I'm not going to go there again because I've just seen a Cessna 172 fly over at five thousand feet. You know what I mean. <laughs> Well, that's that, to be fair, it's probably a good segue because I know you want to talk about a specific moment. So I was I got next on my list like favorite shots, and you asked if we could turn it into favorite moments. So we could do both. I think I think I think you I, I think what you were just describing at last year's Avgeeks trip might be leading to your favorite moment. So you might as well carry on in that train if I'm if I'm if I've got the sort of nail on the head sort of thing. Well, the, the, well, there were a couple of favorite moments there. Um, for, for me. I mean, there's been a lot of great moments this year. I've been very fortunate um, to be able to go to the Mac Loop lots this year, and I don't take it for granted at all. But um, last year, when the Afghan guys all went to the Mac Loop, um, I'd never, like, I'd never seen F15s or F35s down low. And I remember the Monday, mo- not the Monday morning, the Monday, um, we'd all met up on the hill. Um, we all got up really early. This, this was the first day of the week of the holiday. Um, and we spent all day on the hill, and it was quite a, a varied day. And um, we sat through like rain showers, and then it was all right. And then we got to about three o'clock, and the heavens opened, and um, everyone was soaked, and everyone was miserable. And half the group were like, "Oh, we're going to go back to the lodge." And um, but myself and a few of the others, we we stayed up, didn't we? Um, me, and me, and me, and me, and me. Yeah. <laughs> and we we just sat in the um, through the rain, got absolutely soaked, absolutely soaked, and then. At about, what was it, quarter past four, half past four, the scanner started to talk and there were American voices. And we're like, ooh. And um, you could hear that there was clearly some jets trying to get in above the cloud. And then I remember Ant turned to me. He said, this will either be the most frustrating like hour of our lives or the most incredible like 30 seconds. And it yeah. turned into the most <laughs> incredible 30 seconds. There was just this little bit of cloud opened up in the valley. And these two F-15s just dived down, flew through CAD West. I mean, the lead jet was like, it was on the deck, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And literally came past us and then just pulled back up into the clouds and that was it. And it was just like, how has that just happened? It, you know, you sat through all that weather and it really made it worth it, didn't it? Totally, mate. I mean, it, literally, it was the, the, the sort of epitome of persistence pays off. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like... It leads into my favourite shot, to be honest, because I'm looking at it above the <laughs> above the laptop screen now as we <laughs> yeah. speak. And it's, uh, it, it, I think it was Crow that was flying that day because yeah, it, it was, was an yeah. Australian flag in the in the cockpit. Um, and yeah, it was just we, we were like, look, we're here. We're only staying locally. It's not like we're going to drive home for two hours, like soaking wet. We literally lit, we're at, we're at a lodge around the corner. It's going to take fifteen minutes to get back to, and we can all just like share and change when we get back, sort of thing. So there's no way I'm leaving the hill, like at this point. Uh, 
some of the others left because they just they didn't bring the right equipment. They didn't have like waterproof jackets or waterproof over trousers and stuff. Which, to be fair to them all, all of them that went last year corrected that mistake this year, yeah, they <laughs> and they all come <laughs> they all come with the right equipment and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like we we literally stood there with a howling wind, pissing rain for like it, it was literally two hours when it. We just stood there and we were just like. Right. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the visibility was zero. It was yeah. you couldn't see in front of you either. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it literally the, the cloud broke, came together in about two minutes, um, and they found that gap just at the right time, and we were in the right place to catch it, and it was amazing. Yeah, it really was. Tom, James, have you got any of your favourite moments or favourite shots? The stories behind your favourite moments or shots whilst you've been up there in the loop, or or any other low fly area for that matter? Um. I think for me, May 2016 in the Macaloop was my my probably favourite moment, low-level spotting. Um, we had a 12-ship of uh, Reaper F-15s. Um, we had Gina come through, Typhoon. We had a normal Typhoon. I say normal, just a normal livery. Um, an Osprey, uh, seven Hawks, um, and four F-15... Uh, ease as well. Christ almighty. Um, you're going to have to excuse me. I need a moment. <laughs> it's a good uh, job we're all sitting down. And yeah, it was, um, oh, well, I won't go into it too much, but uh, yeah, pretty chaotic day to say the least. And it was, um, it was there when I, where I got one of my favourite shots of a, um, an F-15 Reaper, an F-15C, putting it at low level directly in front of me on CAD, uh, CAD West. Um, uh, and it was just awesome. Uh, of the 12 ship, nine did uh, pull-outs like that. And it was just, yeah, absolutely just awesome. That sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm green with envy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I, I bet Nicklin's got something that can beat that. Yeah, yeah you wait. You wait. Uh, you wait. I think, I think my favourite one of this year was March, Cobra Warrior. And it was mainly because I say, well, the day before I'd been at Marham shooting the F-35Bs just at base, and then I thought, well, the F-16s have been doing a couple of bits. It, I think it was like the first or second day that they'd been low-level in the lakes. Um, and there was a lot of chatter on, on Facebook saying, oh, yeah, they're just doing sort of flights to sort of have a look around the area. So I just took a punt, drove from Marham, stopped over in a hotel in Lancaster and then drove the rest of the way the next morning. Um, got up to Allswater pretty pretty early, about 8 o'clock in the morning. Nice walk. And uh, so the weather was actually pretty decent. It was a little bit cloudy, but it was still warm. Um, and I waited a fair few hours there, just twiddling my thumbs, listening to the comms on the radio. And then... Uh, I literally heard the low-level frequency call up and didn't know what was coming through. And the next thing you know, I've got a full ship of Belgian F-16s flying around the corner at Silver Point. And oh, nice. uh, it, was, it was brilliant because I didn't realise until after I looked back at the photos. So they had the Duke, which was the special tail with the Spitfire on one side and the, the new generation with the F-35 on the other side, which was quite a unique sort of special tail. Yeah. Uh, and he'd come past, and he must have been on an air-to-air frequency with the other jets because he was looking directly at me. And Lowberg felt you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Uh, 
on top of the hill there. Yeah. Um, especially I've, the Mar- Yeah, I've, I've seen you on there when I've flown past on uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, to be honest. You're a permanent <laughs> fixture on Lobo. <laughs> you got your Land Rover part next to you as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes some doing for me to get that up there. Oh, um, and then the first three comes through relatively flat, a little bit sort of tilted topside. And then the next thing you know, ex-Tiger's fourth jet coming around the corner and he's come out of Silver Point, levelled off. And then the next thing you know, he's just gone full knife edge topside, straight past Loberg fell and then uh, drops back low again. And nice. uh, giving the claws on the way through as well, which was <laughs> just superb looking at the photos. And then the, the, I got a nice message off the flight crew about a couple of hours later after I posted the shots, just asking for the photos, which made it even more worthwhile. I mean, I was I was overly impressed just by the flying and um, and just managing to get the photos, really, because it's, yeah, it's just amazing. You can yeah. imagine how supportive and happy James, Ant and I were in the group chat when uh, Tom <laughs> sent us his back of camera shots. <laughs> well, probably the screen is crack, mate, because I threw it at the wall. <laughs> sorry not sorry <laughs> yeah there was a little bit of green eyed monsters coming out yeah, of us that day I think I was tempted to kick him out to be honest with you but we let him stay <laughs> yeah it was good it was good yeah no I mean yeah some some cracking memories there fellas and it just just goes to show that if you put the time timing up there and, and like you, you sort of go multiple times a year not a week Tom a year <laughs> <laughs> the thing is then, like you say it's the effort you put into it. Yeah, I mean, it is. Thank I mean, I've been blessed with, well, we've been blessed with absolutely stunning weather for the last couple of weeks, yeah. which is sort of unheard of for like sort of end of May, June time. Yeah, but we've all been working through it. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I just ended up booking a week off annual leave and uh, I've just, yeah, I've basically done 1,500 mile um, in a whole week. And uh, I say the craziest one was that one Thursday going up to Presswick for the eight ends, not low level, but then uh, and then driving all the way down seven and a half hours all the way straight down to Fairford for the B ones. Honestly, and this is the reason why these fuel companies are making so much profit. It's because yeah. of him, single handedly. He's <laughs> no, putting money in their pocket. He tops up at he tops up at Costco and pays about ten p a litre less than the rest of us. Does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm part of just the oil. <laughs> yeah but not when it comes to aviation though yeah <laughs> no. nor my job to be fair yeah yeah but yeah it just it just goes to show like you can have you can really have some cracking times up there and some uh, like get some really good sort of memories and moments and shots from from low level spotting um one thing i did want to talk about um is just how we all st- sort of started so not not so much how we started how we got into low level photography because we've we sort of covered that but uh where we started from a, a camera equipment point of view and where we're at now because i a lot i don't know if you guys get the same but i get a lot of messages on facebook and instagram they say oh i've got this camera and i've got this lens will that be okay to go to the mac loop and <laughs> 99 times out of 100 the answer is yes you go up there with any camera and you can get some decent shots um so i just want to sort of touch on where you were back in the day when you started uh, or what your first camera was when you went up there uh, and where you are now? For me, it was an iPhone, <laughs> an iPhone 5 or whatever it was at the time. Um, yeah. When, when I first started uh, 
low-level spot, and it was, you know, Facebook wasn't even in, in existence. I think it was MySpace, if anyone remembers MySpace. <laughs> Did you put your favourite songs on there? <laughs> Did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie Girl, Aqua. Um, <laughs> and, then, I, um, and again, YouTube wasn't even a thing, so I couldn't do any research or whatever. So, yeah, iPhone. Um, and I remember going up the very first time to the Mac Loop, probably 15 years ago with this this iPhone 4 or 5 with a, an 8 megapixel camera and went up Cad West and, and two GR4s flew through about 100 foot above my head and it was just awesome. I've still got that video on my phone now, never deleted it. Um, and then just, just uh, the more time I went up to the Mac Loop and, and the more experience I got with, with going up there, I thought I've got to capture this properly. So I went and bought myself a Canon 70D uh, from Wex on uh, um, on 0% finance over 12 months, um, and a Sigma um, 150 to 600 millimeter sport lens. Um, Used that for probably I don't know, probably five, seven years, something like that. Um, and it was only probably two years ago where I bought my, my mirrorless camera that I use now, which is an M6 Mark II. Um, you know, it's not the most fancy camera in the world. It's not the most. It's not the best mirrorless camera in the world. But for me, it's 30 megapixel. It can shoot up to 30 frames per second. Um, and, and for me, it's absolutely perfect for for, for low-level photography and aviation and wildlife, is, which is what I do in my spare time as well. So um, combine that with a 100 to 400 Mark II Canon L-series lens, which is probably one of the sharpest lens I've ever used, um, and with a 1.4 converter on it as well, which which always helps now and again. Um, yeah, it's absolutely perfect, and it's, it's getting me all the shots that I need at the moment. And... Um, Although I would love to upgrade at the moment, I just can't afford it. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's so, it. Isn't it? I mean, you, you like that's what that's probably an important point. Like, don't, don't like it's important to say to people you don't need to go out and buy yourself a Canon R three or a, a Nikon Z nine or something like that. Whatever the top of the range cameras are at the moment, like you've got to live within your means. You've got to you've got to play within your means. So get what's affordable to you. If if it if all you can afford at the minute is your phone in your back pocket, then great. It's a starting point. If if you can afford to get a camera like second hand like or or a new one on finance or something great do it but it doesn't have to be i mean for the longest time i uh the first camera i took up there was my canon uh m50 which is mirrorless so i i only got into photography in the last sort of five years or so so i've only ever known mirrorless i didn't know dslrs um and i had a, a initially i had a tamron 18 to 200 which i quickly realized wasn't going to be enough even though it was a crop sensor then I moved to a 70, a Canon Mark II 70 to 300 mil, which was a really good lens for that camera. Um, and then eventually I ended up on a Tamron uh, 100 to 400 on that camera, which was, again, giving me that little bit of extra reach. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, that I mean, was so a, like a 500 pound camera. Mm. So yeah, my best shots that I've ever took, I've been with my 70D probably yeah. nine years ago. And I look at the shots now sometimes that I take on my M6 and compare it to the 70D. Yes, there is a quality difference, of course there is. But actually, with the with the with the benefit of the software that's available today, I can take two images, look at them side by side, and there's hardly any difference. Yeah. Um. And and like you say, you know, you don't have to spend thousands of pounds. You can go and buy yourself a two or three hundred pound camera body, and it will give you some absolutely amazing results. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Totally agree with that. Um. 
Or about uh, the Toms, because I know the Toms are on a rival brand, so we'll let them have uh, 30 seconds to talk about what they've got. <laughs> <laughs> no no brand preferences on this podcast. <laughs> to be fair, though, not really about the brands. I mean, nah. like, Canon, Nikon, whatever you choose, it's down to you as a photographer. Um, and it's also learning about yourself as a photographer with your camera gear that you've got, what works for you. And I've heard, I've listened to the pod, this podcast for quite a few times now, and it's always everybody that you guys have spoke to. It's always been down to what your personal preference is and what you're comfortable shooting with. I mean, I I started off on a Nikon D seventy two hundred, and that was I'd saved up. I was in an apprentice job, saved up for God knows how long to get this camera, um, and I wasn't even doing low level at the point. This was probably five six years ago um was still doing the military stuff um and then from that did a little bit of low level with my d7200 and then thought i want to kind of upgrade a bit more of a step up and that was that's just my personal preference but from the d7200 i went on to a d500 dslr um and that i've never gone away away from uh my first one the mirror um sort of packed up which was a pain then i ended up going to nikon mirrorless which was the z50 which was apparently on the same level peg tried it for a bit but the, it wasn't for me it was too too light especially with a 150 600 lens the, the weight's not even so then i'm back shooting on a d500 and for me it's what i know it's the the quality for me is bob on and uh yeah i couldn't I'm still learning, even though I've had this camera and had a previous camera the same for yeah. I've known how many years. You, you're always constantly learning because you're always in different conditions. And I do get quite a few messages like you do, Ant, where people are asking for settings and stuff. And we could give you as m many settings as possible, but the light's going to be always different. The weather conditions are always going to be different. So it's it's one of them. And... If you learn, I shoot fully manual, the best way to learn, and I did, was just literally trial and error. I mean, yeah. just stick it in manual mode or even shutter or aperture priority. There's plenty of apps and there's plenty of YouTube videos out there that you can watch and, and help yourself and just keep going out there and keep doing it because you'll then learn and you'll just be like, oh, wow, I can actually get these photos now because I've just persisted and just tried it even more and and your your work in particular and i said this to you the other day look not even i'm not just blowing smoke up your ass here but your work in particular is is like the epitome of what you've just said like you've you've given yourself more opportunities to get out there and 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 use your camera more often and if you look at your shots now compared to where you were two or three years ago oh god yeah do you, do you know what I mean? You you can see that progression, but so can everyone else, and yeah, that's what yeah. it's all about. It's the time, it's the time and the effort you put into the hobby. That's how you get the results. It's all very well and good emailing someone who's who's got thirty thousand followers or something on Instagram, and saying, "Oh, I want to do this," and is this is what settings should I use? Like you say, every day is completely different. The settings you use one day doesn't mean it's going to be the settings you need the next day. Like you, then the only way you're going to get to that point is by learning and, and learning how your equipment works and learning how it works inside out. Um, and, yeah, the more the more chances you can give yourself to do that, the better you'll become. 
Well, it's, it, it also for me, it's given me the motivation and sort of interest into the photography. And that's what the, especially low level, because I mean, the, the difference between a Hurt coming through and an F-35, we all know the settings are completely different. You'd be on lower shutter speeds to get your prop blur, motion blur in the background. I mean, even Tom's always one doing low shutter on jets, which I still can't master <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, I started off. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I had a caravan. Well, my parents bought a caravan in Wales when I was five, so two thousand and eight. So worked that out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I started by watching the jets fly over, and then I um, I bought I bought an iPod. Well, I didn't buy it. I got I got bought an iPod as a kid, and I used to walk around everywhere I went in Wales with it connected to a power bank with video ready to take videos of jets. And um, I used to read like Air Force's monthly. I'd go on Google Images and look at um, low-flying jets in Wales. And uh, some of the photographers that I used to look up to, I actually consider mates now and I've met several times, and that's quite strange. Um, and then I, um, I I used a bridge camera for a bit, a bit of video and a bit of stills. And 2018, I bought a um, – I saved up, and I saved up for ages um, – and I thought it was the best camera in the world at the time. It was a Nikon D3300 and a Nikon 55-300mm lens. I've still got them now. Um, I always carry them with me as a backup. And then... Um... The Nikon is superior. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so like, I shot with that up until um, 2022. Um, I bought the Nikon 200-500 f5.6. That was my dream lens. Put it with the D3300 and it was great for like a couple of months. And then I thought, I need a new camera body to like be on a par with it. So I bought, like Tom has, a D500. And the the combination for me has been brilliant. It was the dream camera setup when I started with Nikon. I remember saying to my dad, oh, like when I'm your age, I'd like to have a D500 and a 200-500. Never did I think that, what, like six months after I turned 18, I'd be buying myself that setup. It was unbelievable and i'm i'm very grateful for it so that's where i'm at now with it and um yeah i, I enjoy using the stuff it, it's good it's good to listen to everyone's story because like it shows that we haven't just rocked up one day with all the gear and no idea do you know what i mean we've put between us we've put quite a few years into getting these sort of shots like developing our skills improving our uh, our sort of workflow and whatnot to a point where I think all of us in, in this chat like can can get up on a hill and produce a good image like fr- from a single pass if, if we had to, uh, and I think that's testament to the amount of time between us that we've all put in, uh, I mean, and that's that's it. That's it, the, that's the be all and end all. Put put more time into your hobby and you'll get better results. We we even the amount of times that we've been up and the experience that we've had with our camera gear, with the jets, with all the aircraft and stuff. We still have our off days. We'll still have a couple of days where we'll end up taking a couple of crap photos and you just think, 100%. Oh, oh yeah. Do you and, there's no there's no way of coming away from that. I know some people may look, you only post your best images yeah. and people only see that. It's it's the classic of looking on social media and you only post your, your best self almost. Yeah. And yeah. I think for any that's starting out or wanting to pick up a camera and go and get up there don't think that for a second that we've just literally got out of bed 
the one day, bought a camera and gone, bang, there's your shot. Because it, yeah. it just takes a lot of time, a lot of practice. And for anybody that does want to do it, just put your mind to it, get up there and just enjoy yourself. Yeah, re- reach out to people while you're up there. Like, like there's never been a day where I've, well, the, the, maybe one or two days in the depths of winter where I've been up there on my own. But the vast majority of the time, there's other photographers up there. Like, and, and I have never, ever had an experience where I've spoken to one of them and felt like sort of that I wasn't worth their time or whatnot. Everyone will give you the time of day up there. If you've got a question, ask it. Like the, the I, I find the aviation photography community is probably one of the best, better ones out there. And everyone, by and large, is willing to help everyone else. So that's the question. Some of them, are, are the, I mean, meeting you lot has, has been amazing, but some of my good friends have been met from literally going up a mountain and just saying hello. <laughs> it, it's like, yeah. you know, just just don't, just get yourself out there, say hello, and you'll be surprised at who you meet, the information that you uh, you can get from them, um, the advice that you can get from them. Because at the end of the day, people learn from people. Um, and if you don't ask the questions and introduce yourself to people, you you will never get that information. So just just don't be scared. Come and, come and meet us, come and talk to us. And we don't bite. Well, not all the time we don't bite. Sometimes we do, but um, <laughs> only on a Saturday night, yeah, when you <laughs> with the pink fluffy handcuffs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're just normal people that just love that aviation. So <laughs> that's it. I don't know about normal when it comes to you, James. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say that's uh, that's yeah. <laughs> I think we're all a, we're all a little bit we're all a little bit weird here. Let's be honest. We're all a bit <laughs> We've all got our own traits, haven't we? Yeah. The less we say, the better. <laughs> I Definitely. think as well, it's it's this, the social aspect of it. I mean, this is a whole, like for us, it's great. I mean, the amount of times we go up the Mac Loop and we brought this whole sort of ritual of you come down from the hill, you go for a pint. Yeah. <laughs> you sit down and you're just chatting about the day, even if it's been a crap day, weather-wise or like no aircraft's been through, you still have a good time anyway because of the people you meet, the people you're with. Yeah. And... It's to anybody that is going up there like first time, just say hello to anyone because everybody up there, even people walking the dog or anything like that, everybody's so friendly. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's one thing, especially coming from well Birmingham, especially. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can walk down the street, and nobody says hello to you. Whereas you go to these nice places, everybody's so welcoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Uh, whenever people talk to me about where I'm from, I'm like, yeah, Birmingham. It's great. It's great for being in the middle of the country and two hours from everything. Other than that, it's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> still running on coal power back in yeah, the yeah that's it yeah that's it so definitely and i totally agree mate i totally agree the, the social aspect is great and uh you can meet some right characters up there and, and uh you you generally genuinely even always have um a good laugh definitely um what, one thing i did want to mention as well um that I think is important to mention is is just um, if you are thinking about going up there, and I, I, I know this is probably par for the course for the vast majority of people listening, but please don't leave your crap up there. Like I, I, if I'm honest, don't like going up there in the summer because I've had arguments with people who who, who leave their rubbish up there. Um, at the end of the day, you're on someone else's land, and you are being allowed to be there um, to view these aircraft. So just just yeah, if if you're going up, take everything back with you. Don't leave your crap lying around and ruin it for for the vast majority of people who want to be there the whole year. So, 
don't know if you guys concur, but yeah, it's just one Absolutely. of my pet, pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Leave it how you found it. Definitely. Definitely. Right, chaps, anyone got anything else they want to chat about, discuss low-level wise, or...? Just if you're ever thinking of going up, just just do it. You've got nothing to lose. You know, if 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 you're thinking, oh, it's a long drive, or oh, I'm, you know, am I gonna am I gonna have a blank? Just just go because you'll be surprised. You know, it could be the best day ever, or it could be the you know you, you see nothing. But at the end of the day, you, you've spent the day in the most beautiful scenery, meeting like-minded people, and that that's what it's about. If you see a jet, it's a bonus. We've always said this, and I don't know whether you walk and curb, but. You know, if it, we don't obviously we go for the photographs, but um, you know, if you don't see nothing, it's not a loss. You spend the day in a beautiful snow down your countryside, and you know what? Next week's a new week. Get yourself back up there, and whatever happens, happens again. Always remember your walking boots, like a certain someone, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah remember right that? No, no flip flops. No, no flip. Don't go up there in flip flops because you'll just. You'll hurt yourself, and we don't want. Oops. As much as we like aviation, we don't want like the uh, mountain rescue to come and have to collect you off the side of a mountain because no. you broke your ankle. Yeah, don't uh, don't do what I did. I um, it was a very cold November day, um, and the uh, the very kind Mister Tom Nicklin uh, said I, he he could pick me up and we'd get to the Mac Loop, and we met James up there, and uh, that was the worst the... two hour drive in my life. <laughs> got got in the car, <laughs> and he goes, um, "You got everything? Yeah, yeah, got everything." Get to the service station. I forgot my walking boots. Oh, and I'm no. in these brand new running trainers, right? That I've got. Well, put this, they're, they're the thinnest things. Yeah, you can imagine. Cold November day, going up spur. Lovely. Yeah, disastrous. So don't do what I did. Don't, yeah, don't be an imbecile. Remember the, your walking boots. Take the right equipment. Don't leave your walking boots. Definitely. Yeah, you get and buy some walking poles as well because they are oh. they, they are probably the best thing I ever bought. Literally go outdoors, ten quid each, and they'll they'll help you. And, and, and to be honest, a lot of people think that the walking poles help you on the way up. It's the way down that they help you because they stop mm. you from falling on your ass and they stop you from stop your knees from collapsing on themselves on the way back down. So um, well, you can you can just do what James did, coming down a blue belt and just slide on his oh, ass God, yeah. all the way <laughs> all the way down. I just yeah. looked to be right, and I just saw this. You can sit down and this bobble hatch has come going down. I, like, I can't watch. It's going to end up in the main road at the bottom. He's in the ferns. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. As you can tell, we've all had lots of uh, lots, lots of funny experiences whilst yeah. we've been up in the hills. Definitely. So, yeah, thanks, gents. It's been it's been a great chat. Um, thank you all for coming on. Um, really have enjoyed it. Uh, as mu- Almost as much as actually being up there. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be up there again soon um after recording this but yeah i just wanted to sort of go around um just so everyone that's on the pod today can sort of say where your images can be found so james you want to kick kick us off where, where we can find you sure yeah so uh, i'm mainly on instagram so james wilkes photography um and also on facebook is just myself so james wilkes brilliant thank you uh tom nicklin yeah you can find all my photos just on uh, on instagram i say my older account did get hacked so the new one is at tom underscore nicklin underscore photo underscore lots of underscores brilliant (laughs) anywhere else or just instagram uh just mainly instagram yeah yeah no worries sorted uh tom where can we find you yeah so uh you can find me on instagram at tom whitworth photo 
Uh, I am also on Facebook, uh, but I can never find my username. So just <laughs> type in Tom Whitworth photo, and you'll probably find me on there. I'll be somewhere. Most likely. Yeah. Is it not linked from your Instagram? Like, is it not? I'm going to be honest. I, I don't. You have really. no idea, do you? Hundred hundred thousand followers on Instagram. No idea how it works. Instagram's your best bet. <laughs> Yes, that was a, a really interesting chat. That and I think one of the key things I took away from that is really early on in the pod, you said um, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad preparation. <laughs> and I, this is one of the key things that I've I've spotted, even the, the few times I've been up there, how how often people walk up there and are completely unprepared for it. You know, it's it is open to everyone, obviously. It's just, you know, we've been up there and seen people rocking up there in just like shorts, flip-flops, and you're kind of thinking that's not really the sort of the stuff you want to be wearing down here or you want all you want to do is trip and you're going to break an angle or something we're going to get the uh, air ambulance up here um you've seen it i've seen it you know and it's just kind of a yeah yeah i mean like definitely mate i, I mean like even like we, we spoke before we listened to the main chat like about uh the herks yesterday and all the people that were up there um again Similar situation, even though the weather forecast says it's going to be like wall-to-wall sunshine and 25 degrees, we rocked up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I was like shorts and T-shirt, ready to go. I got out of the car and I was like, right, hiking trousers were straight on. Yeah. <laughs> a, big, a big fleece jumper was straight on. Get, got the hat on and whatnot because it was it was damn cold that time in the morning. Mm. Um, there was a chilly breeze blowing through and obviously the sun hadn't had a chance to start warming the uh, warming the hillside up and whatnot. And uh, yeah. Um, but you get it, you get it all the way through. Yeah, the amount of times I've had people just sort of rocking up. Oh, I've sort of come up and is this where the planes are? Oh, yeah, I'll just sort of come up for half hour. And sort of, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're wearing flip flops or like bathing suits or <laughs> just 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 also all manner of craziness. But yeah, I mean, it's it's mountainous, it's mountainous terrain at the end of the day. Like anyone who visits, and like you say, it's open to everyone. But just 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 go with a decent pair of footwear. Like you don't have to buy hiking boots, but just don't go in silly like high heels or Crocs or flip flops or any sliders or anything like that. Because you just all you're going to do is just open yourself up to, to injury, and mm. nobody wants that. Like no. and and no, nobody wants the flying to be cancelled because an air ambulance has to come into the valley yeah, exactly and, and pick you up. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, some of the things you see over the years down there is a little bit mind boggling. Yeah, it's always important to remember that it is, you know, it's not, it isn't an air show, you know, and it is the wilds of the country to an extent. I mean, yeah, it's, there are tracks up there, but they're not paths, you know, they are well trodden tracks and you've got to, you've got to factor in the the fact that, you know, they're slippery sometimes, they're, uh, there's rocks that fall underway. And, you know, if you've not got the right footwear, you're risking falling over and hurting something and if you're up there and it starts raining you're just going to get soaked if you haven't got the right stuff and it's it's so important that for any of our listeners going up there for the first time is be prepared for everything because it can change in a second it's like like we said last year you know you stayed up there for it was pouring it rain wind and then within half an hour 45 minutes it was bright sunshine you know and it's yeah it does that it's its own microclimate because of the fact it's a mountainous area yeah, 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 and it it really does change that quickly. I mean, even though the forecast yesterday was wall to wall sunshine, I still had the waterproofs in the boot of the car that I could have got back to fairly quickly and and, and picked up should I, should I have needed to. Mm. Luckily, it was wall to wall sunshine all day, so and it did warm up enough for me to to uh, take the hiking trousers off and go back to the shorts for the afternoon. Yeah. So, 
but that was because I had the right stuff with me. Otherwise, I would have been shivering all morning and miserable. So, <laughs> one of the other things that I picked up on it is what you were just talking about, sort of the gear and the, the gear that you've progressed through and all that sort of stuff. And you know, it's it's very much one of those locations where it doesn't necessarily matter about the gear, does it? It is an experience. And you know, if you've got your six hundred mil lens and and that sort of thing, is it's just as good. But if you're up there. And you just want to catch it like video of the planes, a phone's going to be perfectly good, especially on that lower shelf at um, Cad West, where they're going to come over you and, and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. based on previous experience, though, I assume you are now going to buy a new camera and a new lens um, <laughs> after having said you're happy with the gear that you have now. Uh, yeah, because that's clearly what I do. I, I give advice on podcasts, and then I go against that advice within <laughs> within 10 working days afterwards. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, to be honest, I've been uh, struggling a little bit with the R7, to be honest, since I bought it. And uh, I managed to figure out an issue that um, I'd had with the camera literally just at the right moment yesterday in time for the Hercules mm. coming through. So, uh, yeah, I was quite I was quite chuffed I'd finally managed to suss that out. So, But no, yeah, um, going back to your original point, yeah, uh, like the, the amount of people that go up there just with mobile phones is surprising well it's not surprising in this day and age because everything's tiktok and reels and youtube shorts these days isn't it people's attention span is like 30 seconds or a minute and that's that's all you get of people these days so um yeah like so people taking video up there is is is, 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 it's probably getting more attention than some of the photos we take but like i said i said to the chaps i was with yesterday i'll always be photo first and video second that's just that's just my preference but if you want to go up there and take video more more power to you do it yeah but yeah even if you've got like you have a point and shoot a bridge camera uh, an old dslr a film camera even mm. if, like do you know what i mean like there's no reason why you can't go up there and get shots with a film camera and be try and be a bit more creative and something um uh, like we've always said and i'm pretty sure we've said on other po- podcasts the best camera you've got with you is the one well the best camera you have is to have is the one you've got with you yeah um and, and that's it but equally if you don't want to take photos just go up there and enjoy it yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the spectacle is is amazing enough especially seeing three hercules fly through like yesterday um but yeah when, when you get fast jets up there as well that's uh it's just awe-inspiring yeah it, it, it's certainly a thrill and you you could you could gauge from the conversation that the excitement about it that you all have, and even though you've you've all been up there so many times now, that the excitement for it is still there, and and that's what you know, this hobby is about, isn't it? It's that the thrill of the chase and the the buzz that you get when a jet goes past you. Well, that's it. I mean, and like we all went out following recording that podcast yesterday together for the Hercules up at the up at the loop, so. Um... And we were like we were like giggling school kids when we first got there. It's like, we're all grown men with full time jobs. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. we, were like, we were like giggling school kids, and we 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 had a we had a cracking day. To be fair, and we we really enjoyed ourselves. But but yeah, it's um, it is it is that chase, and like like we said in the conversation, it is a lot like fishing. And um, people people who some people don't understand the the, the appeal of fishing, um. I, I've done fishing before. I, I've enjoyed it. It's that, it's that calm sort of time to sort of contemplate and watch the world go by, which is exactly what you do in the hills. Yeah. And then you get like a minute or two of madness, <laughs> which is yes. like when you catch a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and then it's relaxation. Again. And then it's back to, back to like sitting down, twiddling your thumbs, watching the world go by again, which is 
not a bad not a bad thing in this day and age to have that time to do that yeah i mean yeah it was a great conversation i think there were so many great tips in there so many little bits of information that uh, anybody first timers or long timers can can latch on to and i hope everyone's enjoyed it i think there was one point that i thought that it didn't get mentioned and i see mentioned a lot on the forums is when people go I've looked on the timetable and it says there's no <laughs> flying today. It's like, you know, how it is for people listening. That timetable doesn't refer to the Mac loop and is yeah. for want of a better word, a load of bollocks. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, mate. We, to be fair, we made, we had a little discussion before we pressed the record, but on whether we talk about the timetable. And I think I think the general consensus was that we get a little bit too angry about it if we spoke yeah. about it, <laughs> because I think if we if we all had a pound for every time we were asked about that timetable, we'd probably never need to work again, and we could spend all of our time in the loop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a timetable on on online that people find on the government website, and it's. It literally has absolutely nothing to do with the Mac loop. It'll say LFA seven, uh, which is low fly area seven, which is all of Wales pretty much. Um, but it's referring to a very specific part of LFA seven where they actually do targeted um, sort of dummy munition runs, sort of thing. Uh, and it's like a little bombing range, but without actually dropping physical weapons. Yeah. Um, and that's what it refers to. Um, so that 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 timetable is telling you when that that area is active. It's absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the Mac Loop or any of the valleys of North Wales. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the question that's commonly answered is when's the best time to see the aeroplanes. And I think the reality is it's during the week, Monday to Friday, yeah. unless of course it's a bank holiday or uh, American national holiday. And the reality is, if the sun's up, they could be flying. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, like we've said before, get there early leave late i mean what last time we went we we got up there about what uh eight o'clock ish and then we didn't see the pumas till half seven so yeah, it, you know 11 and a half hours <laughs> yeah so it's you know if there's daylight the chances are they're going to be flying yeah yeah and and like yesterday we uh we were there at seven in the morning and to be fair other than the hooks we had we had a really busy day in terms of other traffic we had uh a couple of hawks come through in the morning a couple of texans before the the hercules come through um then afterwards, it was just like Texan after Texan after Texan mm. all afternoon. Um, and then we got to about four o'clock and we thought, "Don't really, it's gone a bit quiet. Didn't really think anything else was going to happen. So uh, we, we packed up and we went to Barmouth and had a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Beautiful yeah. part of the world. Just 20 minutes down the road. It's got to be done. Yeah. And at that point, that brings us to a perfect point to wrap up this podcast. Um, as I say, I really enjoyed the chat and I'm sure everybody else will as well. Um, so do you want to tell us where people can find you on Instagram and Facebook and wherever? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Anthony underscore Fogarty underscore aviation. Um, I'm just Anthony Fogarty on Facebook and also on YouTube. Wonderful. And you can find me at RS7 Aviation on Instagram. Obviously, we've got the uh, group, which is at Avgeeks Assemble on Instagram. Um, come join us on Facebook. Come share your thoughts on this. Um, you know, when we post this up, come and share your Mac Loop experiences. Come and ask questions about the Mac Loop and that sort of stuff. There's enough people in the group that have been uh, going for years, and hopefully, from this podcast and that combined, you'll be able to learn a, a bit for it. Um, yeah. But for now, um, we'll see you next time, and hopefully, we'll see you at the fence. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ab Geeks Assemble podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ab Geeks Assemble.